You're listening to episode 2.42 of the Midlife Improvement Project, and this week's episode is all about sex. It gets a little spicy, so if you usually listen with the kids in the car or while you are cooking dinner and other people's ears are listening, maybe you want to wait for a time when you're on your own for this episode. Let's go. Welcome to the Midlife Improvement Project, a podcast about what really matters as you negotiate midlife. Some might call this time of life a crisis, but I want to introduce you to the idea that it's an awakening. This is a time to listen to your soul, to find your purpose, to reflect on what you really want to do and be in the days that you have left here on planet Earth, and then write your own midlife manifesto. You are not less of yourself on the other side of midlife. You are more. This is a time to be celebrated, not tolerated. I'm your midlife wake-up coach, Dr. Peggy Malone. I'm a healthcare provider turned life coach who helps women in midlife lean into the magic of being a woman as we head into the second half. I help you to decide where you want to go next with this one precious life and really claim all of your big dreams and goals while caring less about what anyone else thinks about it. After all, if someone is going to be unhappy with your life, it shouldn't be you. I've just passed the milestone of turning 50, and I want to use this podcast as my midlife manifesto. There will be no fading into the background and quietly living out my golden years with the assumption that my best years are behind me over here. I'm just getting started. I invite you to come with me. Listen in each week as I help you to wake up to what's possible for you in midlife as you learn to increase your self-awareness and your confidence, get curious about what got you here, and get clear about where you want to go next on the way to an even better you. Let's get after it. Angela Griffith is the Christian sexpert. She teaches all about sex and intimacy in Christian marriage. Although, as we will discover in today's episode, you don't have to be Christian or married to benefit from what she teaches. She has been married for 20 years and is a homeschool mom to her son. She spent her teenage years trying to fill what she describes as the God-shaped hole within her. She looked to sex and drinking and tried to be good enough to fill that void. Sex wasn't talked about in her home. Not a lot of things were but she was curious. She graduated college with a bachelor's in religion and psychology. She studied human sexuality like it was her job as the entire subject fascinated her. In the fall of 2021, she decided to do this for a job because she wanted to teach people how to have good sex. And now she helps people to increase the non-sexual intimacy in their relationships. And that makes the sexual intimacy go through the roof. Well, hello friends. Today we are going to talk about sex. Did your ears just perk up? Are you paying attention? Sex is something that often elicits this reaction in us mere mortals. Sex in midlife can sometimes fizzle out or change or not feel as exciting as it once did. Midlife can also be a time, as we have discussed, where you are waking up to what you want after taking care of everyone else forever. If you have been having sex that is more for someone else and less for you, guess what? You can decide what you want in all areas of your life, including the bedroom. My guest today is here to normalize how you might be feeling as you head through the midlife sex slump or sex awakening, and she is going to share some strategies to get your sex life re-fired up. Let's go. Angela, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm super excited to be here. Awesome. All right. Why don't we start by having you tell us a little bit about your story? And because this is the Midlife Improvement Project, especially as you come into your midlife, your midlife story. I'd love it if you would share your personal experiences of the changes you've experienced entering your 40s and how that's impacted your overall well-being, your daily life, and maybe because your expertise involves sex, how it has impacted your sex life. Absolutely. 
Um, so I like to say, hey, if you don't know me, I'm Angela, the Christian sex expert. I talk all about sex and intimacy, primarily in Christian marriage, but the principles expand beyond Christian marriage. And a good portion of my following is actually as they would turn themselves atheist, agnostic, or ex-evangelical, um, because they, as they tell me, this is the sex education that they wish they would have had from the church. And um, one of the reasons that I started the Christian Sexpert, which by the way, I did not start until I was 42, um, is because I see how the evangelical church has damaged people's sex lives and women in particular. And I know that there's a better way that we can be having these conversations. Um, whether you are Christian or not, there, there is a better way to be having these conversations. Um, so I have been married for, I'm 43 now. Um, I've been married for 20 years. I have a nine-year-old son. Um, and I am very firmly in perimenopause. Um, I'm currently on, I don't know, day nine or 10 of the seemingly never ending cycle after a like 12 day cycle. Um, so it very firmly in the perimenopause, uh, my body is flipping out sort of department. Hormones are fun, super fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a good way to describe it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Loads of sarcasm there. Um, so I, I, I love to help women, especially I find a lot of midlife women are sort of realizing, you know, like I, my sex life just has never been great and I want it to be better. There has to be better out there. And that's what I want to do is I want to see people I, at the end of all of my TikTok videos, I say, go have good sex. Um, and so there, there is better things out there. And so teaching people the tools that they need, the ways that they can adjust for the hormone no nosedives, things like that are all part of what I do. Amazing. Okay. So then let's start with, um, let's start with some foreplay, will we? Uh, can you share what are the 12 types of intimacy that we can experience in marriage and relationships and the fact that sex is only one of them? Yes, uh, I love the way that you phrase that. That is spectacular. Um, so people, when I say, you know, intimacy and marriage, people's minds like automatically go to sex. And I'm like, no, there's there's so much more. Like there's so much more available to us. And so just running through the list, we've got aesthetic, commitment, communication, conflict, creative, crisis, emotional, intellectual, recreational, sexual, spiritual, and work. Wow. Okay. Can you like give us a little like taste of all of them? Yeah. Uh, yes. Okay. So people, okay. So let's, let's talk about a common scenario, right? Someone comes to me and says, you know, like, I just, I don't feel like I'm in the mood and he just wants to like hop into bed. And like, how do I like get in the mood. And I'm like, okay, well, sex is supposed to be the celebration of intimacy that you've already established before you ever reach the bedroom. So we look at the 11 other types of intimacy for ways that we increase the other types and then sex will 
kind of naturally rise up on its own. And so when we look at ways of specifically working on these 12 types of intimacy, one of my favorite ways of working on intimacy in my marriage is recreational. So recreational intimacy is all about having fun. How do you have fun together? How do you do fun stuff? So like people who are not me, like weird, ambitious people, like could like go hiking. That's not me. <laughs> I'm an indoor cat. Um, so, you know, like some people are like, oh, my husband and I love hiking. And I'm like, mm, I love that for you. <laughs> <laughs> so in our marriage, we love board games and I don't know how board games work in your household, but in my household, when we play a board game, it's also going to involve conflict intimacy and communication intimacy. Because um, my husband's going to need to be informed that he is very much going to lose and go down like the bad, bad loser he is. And then we're going to have to work on our communication intimacy because I'm going to have to make him feel better for losing. And then <laughs> after I have soundly beaten him at a board game, I am more ready to hop into bed because we've engaged three of the different intimacies, right? So naturally when we engage one intimacy it's usually one the intimacies don't exist in a void like by themselves you're usually engaging more than one intimacy at one time and so when i truly focus on working on recreational intimacy all the other ones are going to improve as well so that covers recreational conflict and communication um, some other common ones, usually when I say work intimacy, people get like this weird like look on their face and like, you going to work with your husband? <laughs> um, I mean, I I do have the ability to do that because my husband is a truck driver. Um, so I occasionally will like go for a ride on the truck with him. However, work intimacy is not like being weird and showing up at your husband's office. It is working together towards common goals. So it could be things like planning and planting a garden together. Um, if you are not my husband and I, some people enjoy cooking together. I don't want anyone else in my kitchen personally um, because I will trip over them and get overstimulated and then I start yelling and it just doesn't end well for anyone. But, you know, like if you guys can cook together, cooking a meal together is a great form of work intimacy. Um, so that would be work intimacy. Spiritual intimacy is pretty self-evident. Um, intellectual intimacy do you guys like read books together and talk about them? Do you listen to podcasts and talk about them? My husband and I love to get into political debates until um, I get mad and walk away because again, hormones. Um, <laughs> emotional intimacy is also pretty self-evident. Like, are you holding space for each other emotionally? Crisis in intimacy is really interesting. This is all about how are you as a couple in a crisis? Um very early in our marriage, my grandfather um, became very ill and my husband was unquestioningly unwavering at my side at every, um, you know, emergency room, hospital call, all of that. Um, and not, and I recognize that not everybody has a spouse that would just drop everything, walk away from their job and show up in a crisis like that. And so we work on crisis intimacy when we are not in crisis. 
And so that would be like sitting down over dinner and saying, okay, our last crisis, like we, neither one of us handled it well. Can we set a plan for the next time a crisis happens? Like, how are we going to respond? Creative intimacy is fun. Um, uh, Creative is, you know, like, how are you creating things together? So like going to like a paint night could be a great form of creative intimacy. Um, aesthetic intimacy is one that people don't like really understand a lot, but that's creating small moments of beauty in your marriage. So that can be as simple as like watching the sunset together, but it could also be like picking out a new piece of art for your bedroom. So that's a very like quick and dirty, um, here's the 12 types of intimacy. If anybody wanted to go deeper and like really dig deep on the 12 types, I actually have a guide available on my website called 31 Days of Intimacy, and it walks people through each of the 12 types over the course of a month. And it's all very practical, accessible suggestions. Um, You know, I didn't want anything to be like, spend $500 to take a three-day trip. Uh, you know, to someplace and you have to make sure that you get a sitter and then spend another five grand at the spa, you know, type of this is how you build intimacy. It's all stuff that like I may have already mentioned things like watching the sunset together or picking out a new piece. Very accessible. Okay. Amazing. And I will in the show notes, share the link to that so that um, if anyone's listening and is interested in that from Angela, you can check it out for sure. Okay. I love all of this. Um, so let's get into some more of the the sex intimacy. We've talked about all the other types of intimacy. We're leading to uh, the bedroom. What if you are too shy to talk to your partner about sex? How would you recommend someone starting that conversation? And also, maybe you can talk about if somebody wants to experiment and they want to do something outside their regular routine in the bedroom, how do we have that conversation? Um, that conversation is actually... I have one tool that answers both of those questions, and that is a sex journal. A sex journal? Tell me everything. I want to know all the details. Yes. So I... So sorry. I like to recommend for all of my girlies who are um, you know, struggling to communicate Um, I see a lot of people who are like victims of purity culture where they have a lot of shame surrounding their own sexuality and they're too embarrassed to talk about it. Um, I recommend a sex journal. So you just get a pretty journal and you start writing in it. And if you are initially too like ashamed or afraid to write about like your fantasies or your desires, Just write about the last time that you had sex and write about, we did this. I really loved, my favorite thing is when you did blah, blah, blah. And maybe next time, instead of doing this thing, we could try this thing instead and keep it very short and sweet and simple. And that's a very like non-threatening way to start practicing, expressing those things for yourself. Now, people, I tend to find people get shy about talking about their sex life or they don't know how to talk to their partner about their sex life because they're afraid of their partner's reaction, right? They're afraid of their partner getting a look on their face like, oh my God, I'm married to a pervert. Why would you want that? Or, you know, something like, 
Um, that sounds disgusting. I would never want to do that. What's wrong with you? Like they're afraid of that reaction from their partner. And realistically, your partner's probably not going to do that. They're, your partner like wants intimacy is a deep knowing of the other person. And intimacy isn't just like the use of each other's bodies. It's looking into your partner's soul and seeing them for who they are, right? And so if your partner wants real intimacy with you, they're going to want to see that part of you that deeply wants to feel this way in bed or wants to try this thing in bed. And so using the sex journal mitigates that fear of seeing this look of rejection or disgust or whatever on your partner's face, because you're going to give them the journal, either, you know, like just leave it on his pillow or hand it to him or whatever and walk away. They're going to have the opportunity to read it in private. And if anything happens on their face, you're not going to see it. They're going to get their face under control. They're going to have, <laughs> right? <laughs> Um, they're going to have the time then to take a moment and rather than giving you a knee-jerk reaction to respond in a measured way, because now they're going to write back and they're going to write, I really liked when we did blah, blah, blah. Yes, let's try this. Maybe we could also try this next time. And eventually you become so comfortable that you start expressing your fantasies and your desires in the sex journal. And you can start writing out whole scenarios that you would want to try together. Um, and eventually you will, once you get more comfortable communicating your writing, that will build up your confidence to start having those sort of in-person conversations as well. Okay. This is cool. I like that. All right. And you just said it can be any journal. It doesn't have to be something like just a pretty something I buy yep. at like wherever at the dollar store. Yep. Um, okay. I have um, I have an Amazon storefront and I have some pretty journals linked on my Amazon storefront if you want to go that way. But literally, like just on your next target run, grab a journal. You can be extra like me and make sure it has hearts and stars on the cover. Or you can just grab a composition $1 notebook from Target. Okay, perfect. All right. It's a pretty common story that I've heard from my clients and patients that as we deal with the busyness of life and we get older, sex often becomes less of a priority. Or in some cases, as we're going through the, the drama of perimenopause and menopause, it gets physically uncomfortable. So I'm wondering if you have some advice for partners, women that are getting into this time of life and they kind of get into what as a result of these two things and probably other things, they get into the roommate stage. So I guess, first of all, what are your recommendations for sex while in the throes of the changes associated with perimenopause? And what do we do if we've hit the roommate stage? Yes. So perimenopause is, look, you, I, I, I'm not supposed to, I literally said, I'm not going to curse on this podcast because my clients aren't down for that. But look, perimenopause is a witch. Okay, she is. She <laughs> yes. needs to pack it up and go home because I'm real freaking tired of her already. And I'm only 43 and like haven't even like gotten to the worst of it yet. Um, this is dumb. My husband keeps asking me, Angela, why can we not turn off the fan at night? We live in Ohio, it's cold. And I'm like, because I'm freaking hot, Steven. It's hot. Yeah. Hormones. I'm ranting. All right. So <laughs> Yeah, I feel that. We have the fan the on number one, time, full time over here too. Yeah. 
The number one suggestion, first of all, is going to be lubricant is your new best friend. Um, just like plan on like buy it in bulk, use a whole bottle every time. I don't know. Um, if you are someone who never needed lubricant, welcome to this stage of life. You need it now. That's like the number one. It's but sharing a spot with number one is <clears throat> defining what sex is. Is sex just penetration? Is it just him inserting his penis and that's what sex is? Or is sex so much more than that? When we look at sex as the playground of marriage, that opens a whole new world of possibilities for us. And so if we're defining sex as only penetration, that's like going to a playground and only using the slide. Yeah, it's fun for a while, but eventually that gets boring. And maybe even you start to get chafed from using the slide <laughs> only, right? So now we have to start looking at, well, there's this teeter-totter, there's a zip line, there's swings, there's a sandbox. And we start looking at all of these other options that we can do that we never even have to use the slide. We never even have to do penetration because there's so many other options that we can try in redefining what sex is and its function in our lives. So if sex is the celebration of intimacy that we've already established before we've ever reached the bedroom, and it is also the playground of marriage, that is so much more than just penetration. Okay, awesome. And so then that said, what are some practical strategies when we're, we want to play in the playground of marriage and we want to do the things other than the slide? What do you recommend? Um, so there's lots of options. Um, doing uh, some blatant self-promo at the moment, I wrote what's called the marriage play date. Um, it's a list of over 500 sexual activities that you can do with your spouse, partner, whatever. Um, and so the way that it works is you print it out, one copy for you, one for him, and then you go through each of the things and you give everything a rating on a scale from, mm, I'm not really interested in that, to I think this is delightful, we should do it all the time, let's go do it right now. And then you come together, see where you your ratings line up, and now you've got like this whole library of things that you can do together, right? And that don't have to involve penetration. Um, and so looking at something like that, and you can start introducing toys because there's a whole world of toys out there for her and toys for men didn't used to be a thing 20 years ago when I got married. It was very few and far between that you would find toys for men. And there are so many more toys for men now. So you can do, and to be a little bit graphic, you can do something like mutual masturbation where you are together in bed. You are using toys on each other to bring each other pleasure and the penetration never even has to happen, but everybody's still leaving with a happy ending, you know? So experimenting with different toys, experimenting with different, um, starting to use your imaginations and starting to look at different sort of role plays that you can do together where you just, um, you know, I have a whole series of role plays on my Patreon where I give you costume ideas, scripting ideas, toys and accessories for the role play. So, you know, classic role plays are things like, you know, like uh, Dr. Patient, like, do you want to play doctor tonight? You know, but there's like there's so many options of ways 
to start really engaging your imaginations, playing together and finding alternatives that are not painful. And honestly, I find that the journey of simply experimenting with a new thing, deciding if this is like going to work for the way that my body has changed. I had a real, you know, I had my son later in life. It was a terrible pregnancy. Um, And that was a season where we had to do the same thing. We really had to experiment and find the things that were going to work for the, the season that my body was in now and leaning into this is a season things are going to also change in a year, you know, and, you know, maybe in a year thing, you know, we'll be back to regularly scheduled programming, maybe not, but the journey of discovering what is fun and playful and pleasurable is where a lot of the fulfillment comes from and redefining is, is is the goal of sex just the orgasm or is it the journey of enjoyment together? Okay. Amazing. I love all of this. And you sort of alluded to this. You've given some really great resources that I'll include in the show notes. But I think that sometimes when people are curious about starting something new or finding new activities, they're scared of inadvertently winding up on some weird sketchy porn site and crashing their computer or creating some kind of weird something. And so they're not sure where to find these things. So obviously you've mentioned what you have on your website. I can share what, what I have used in the past just to give people another option. My husband and I bought this book called the adventure challenge. And I'm not sure if you've heard about it. It's uh, there's ads for it all over. Maybe that's just my algorithm, but the adventure challenge, (laughs) the adventure challenge, is for dates, but they also have one for in bed. And it's fun because it just gives you something else to focus on other than what your brain is like thinking or what your regular routine might be. Do you have any other suggestions? Um, Yeah. Just to mention the reason that I wrote the marriage play date, that list of over 500 things was because I didn't want people winding up the marriage play date. Everything is fully defined. So like I'd say like, here's this activity and I give you a definition for it because people are terrified of winding up on some scary corner of Google. It's You're like, don't Google that. <laughs> it is so scary out there. Um, so there's um, one website called Romantic Blessings. Um, it is a Christian-owned website. And um, the beauty of that website is there's no nudity. Um on that website at all. And, you know, just like my platform, you don't have to be a Christian to use them. But if you are someone who is concerned about encountering something that's going to crash your system, or you just don't want to see other naked people, you know, whatever, because there are plenty of people that just, I don't need to see someone else's body. What fine. Um, Romantic Blessings is a great resource for that because it's all of their stuff, as well as anything that you'll ever find from me is completely nudity free. Um, and there's a lot of great education there as well. Um, I had one and then I lost it. Okay. Well, if it comes back oh, to you. The brain, the brain, the brain, the brain fog. <laughs> there you go. We're in perimenopause talking about sex and we can't even remember the thing about sex. <laughs> um, okay. Well, then let me ask you this and maybe it'll come back to you as I'm asking you this. Yeah. I have a lot of people um, that are curious about scheduling sex. Tell me about your thoughts on that. Oh, I don't like that. I don't like it because you cannot grant future consent. 
Okay. That's a problem. Um, So yes, when we are talking about consent, consent should follow the Fry's model of consent. So it needs to be freely given, reversible, informed, enthusiastic, and specific. And so based on that criteria, you cannot consent to uh, sex in the future. Um, So my alternative suggestion to that is schedule a time for intimacy. Mm. And so going back to the 12 types of intimacy, schedule a time to and be specific. Again, we're like looking at the Fry's model of consent, be specific. So, you know, Saturday night, we're going to get a sitter and we are going to specifically work on creative intimacy by pulling up a painting tutorial on YouTube and seeing who can do it the worst, right? Like we're not, we're not aiming for perfection. We are aiming for the journey and the fun and the engagement together. So we're going to pull up a painting tutorial on YouTube and we're going to see who can do the worst job at it. And that's going to involve so much laughter, right? And so if sex naturally flows out of that, fantastic. If it doesn't, okay, but you have still intentionally invested in the relationship and worked on your intimacy. So I promote scheduling intimacy. I think that is important and valuable, but you can't grant future consent. Scheduling sex puts pressure on a person's psyche, even if they aren't fully aware of that pressure happening. And we know that obligation kills desire. And so if your body is sensing this sense of obligation, like I said I was going to, and now I have to follow through, your body's going to shut down. And if you do that often enough where you put a sense of obligation onto your body, you're going to reach a point where you just think, I, I just don't like sex. I don't want it. And it's not that you don't like it or you don't want it. It's that either you're, you have been putting obligation on yourself or your partner has been putting the sense of obligation on you and your body will recognize that and eventually will start to rebel. Okay. This is very interesting. And I love your response to it. Thank you. That's, um, that's a really great way to think about it. So scheduling intimacy and then just seeing what happens. That's the the way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Awesome. And it's all part of that paradigm shift of really sitting down with your partner and defining what is the purpose of sex? What, you know, what is the function of sex within a relationship? And, you know, having that paradigm shift of, the celebration of intimacy we've already established because a lot of couples think that sex is what creates intimacy, but it's, it's not sex is a celebration of intimacy that you've already created. And you can't rely. You can, I find when people are younger that they can rely on sex to what they think is creating intimacy. But after you've been married for 20 years and you know, you've gone through seasons of sickness and things, you realize that if you don't have a firm foundation of the other intimacies, sex is, to use a little bit of a parable, sex is building your house on the shifting sand. It's not building your house on a firm foundation of all of the intimacies. Relying on just one is like using only bricks to build a house, but the mortar is the communication intimacy and the crisis intimacy. 
and the, you know, um, the lumber is the aesthetic intimacy and the, you know, whatever the recreational intimacy. And so you can't build your house with just bricks. Sex is more than, than it's not enough. Okay. I like this a lot. Um, let me shift gears just a little. Let's talk about orgasms. Yes. So I've heard the statistic, and you can tell me if it's correct or not, that 70% of women don't reach orgasm from penetrative sex alone. And that's a big number. And you've already discussed other ways that people should be experimenting other than the slide. So my question is, if a woman is struggling to orgasm, what can help? And also, and maybe you were going to talk about this already, can we talk about what is the orgasm gap? Yes, absolutely. So yes, um, I would say that actually about 80% of women, uh, I don't remember how you phrase that statistic, but my stats that I have researched say that only about 20% of women can orgasm from penetration alone. Um, So slightly different. Um, And it's because women, the majority of women require eight, 14 to 20 minutes of direct clitoral stimulation in order to orgasm. And so when you think about how most people are doing penetration, a lot of the time, it's usually like a missionary style is the most popular, right? And that doesn't provide any stimulation to the clit. Um, and it's certainly, I it, most men orgasm in 5.3, 5.4 minutes. Um, so it, even if he is giving you clitoral stimulation during penetration, he is not lasting 14 to 20 minutes in order for to have that constant direct clitoral stimulation. So adding something like a, if you want to ensure that you are still um, orgasming during penetration, add something like a vibrating cock ring where it will provide, um, you know, that, that extra stimulation to the clit. Um, talk to him about switching up technique to rather than a poking, more of a grinding, um, because a lot of a lot of men, women don't understand that there's some nuanced difference in in how you perform penetration. And so, I mean, just think about the words: is he poking you, or is he grinding on you, or are you like bouncing? <laughs> I love if you're it. On top, if you're on top, are you bouncing up and down, or are you grinding your hips? The sensation is very different between those two things. And most people should understand what I'm talking about. Um, And so, you know, try changing up from a poking, bouncing to a grind and see if that helps provide the clitoral stimulation. Maybe you um, don't focus on trying to orgasm during penetration and you, you know, like you just do it separately where either he brings you via oral stimulation or he uses his hands or you try out some toys to see if you can find a toy that you like that gets you there. Um, All kinds of different ways. And sometimes just the knowledge of there's nothing wrong with you. Women, the majority of women just need 14 to 20 minutes of direct clitoral stimulation in order to orgasm is like a mind blowing revelation to a lot of people. Um, because that's the type, when I say I started the Christian sex expert, because 
this is the sex education we need. Nobody told me when I was in my 20s that I needed 14 to 20 minutes of direct clitoral stimulation. I mean, thank God my husband and I figured that out, you know, and he never complained about how long it took me to get there. Um, you know, and we kind of naturally figured that out on our own, but some men think that just because she isn't getting there in his 5.4 minutes, she's the problem when really it's not that she takes too long. Maybe he just goes too fast. Right. So let's, I'm all about like shifting our mindset on things. Um, and then to talk about the orgasm gap, you know, that kind of bridges right into that. Um, in let me find my notes on the orgasm gap. So I'm giving you the right statistics. <laughs> Here we go. 95% of men orgasm during a sexual encounter versus 49% of women orgasm during a sexual encounter. And this is what blows my mind. We are the multi-orgasmic creatures. Why are men the ones that are orgasming almost every time when they can only come once versus less than half of us are orgasming during sex when we can do it multiple times? So having the conversation, you know, if you realize that there's a discrepancy in your relationship where he's getting there every time and you're not have a conversation, why, why are you, why do you come every time and not me? You know, like, how can we change this? How can we prioritize my pleasure? Maybe you make a rule. There's a book out there that I highly recommend called She Comes First, all about female sexuality. And it, maybe make that a rule. She comes first, where he doesn't get his until you get yours. Cool. And then we should go back in time and teach every boy in high school this rule. Yeah. Oh, believe me. Yes. Yeah. Um, my, my poor son, um, he's going to need therapy for the fact that his mom was on the internet talking about sex for his whole childhood, but he's going to know that she comes first. Yeah. Or (laughs) by the way, alternatively, maybe it'll just be amazing. Maybe he won't need therapy at all. He'll just be like, yeah, I got this. I I, I hope that's the case. Our, our kids are all going to need therapy for something. That's true. That's true. Um, All right. I spend time with my clients reminding them that when a woman puts herself first, interestingly enough, that this is what we're segueing into, everyone around her benefits. So this always uh, sounds and feels counterintuitive to most women because they're used to putting themselves last. Um, Everybody else is sorted out first and then maybe there'll be time for them. I really want to empower women in midlife, especially who've been taking care of everyone else forever for a couple of decades to allow themselves to put themselves first. And it's often a hard sell because they've often been conditioned to put their, their needs last. So I guess probably this relates to sex, but it also relates to life in general. Do you have any advice for women for putting themselves first? Yeah. Um, Something that I hear a lot is um, comments like, uh, you know, my libido is broken. I'm just not interested in sex. Um, you know, like there's something wrong with me. Do I need to get my hormones tested? And, you know, then I come to realize, babe, you're carrying the whole of the mental load in your household. Your libido isn't broken. <laughs> you just have no room in your brain for sex. And so things like, balancing the mental load, 
you know, is a form of self-care for women, you know, saying, setting that boundary and saying, I can't do this all on my own. I need a partner who is fully invested in building a life with me. And uh, uh, I work with a lot of um, sort of like stay at home moms or work at home moms who, you know, particularly if we're, you know, looking at the fact that I'm in more of the Christian space more often. Um, I, you know, as I said, I do venture out into non-Christian spaces, but it is mostly Christians that are seeking me out and they're being taught things like, you know, you have to, um, you know, submit hard, you got to submit to your husband, you know, and the, to them, it looks like doing all of the things and carrying all of the things and being sweet and, you know, submissive and all of that. And that's not how we're meant to live. We need an equal partner. We need to say, you know what, I need, I need a partner. If you want, if you want me to have the mental space for this, you got to step up and be a part of this with me. And that can be really hard and challenging for women to advocate for themselves that way. Um, and finding ways to do that, looking at things like Fair Play by Eva Dotsky. And, um, you know, it, there have been times where my husband, so I, you know, I have my business, I have the Christian sex expert, but I also homeschool a special needs child and we have two dogs and a tiny house. And I also have ADHD and I'm perimenopausal and I get overstimulated. And there have 100% been nights where my husband walks in the house and I literally grab my keys and say, I'm done, I'm leaving. And I just walk out for the night and I go and I run through Starbucks and I get a coffee and I sit in my van in silence. And just <laughs> stare into the void, right? I love it. And just knowing that that's an option that you can just like if walk walk out, leave him, leave, not like leave the relationship, just like walk out for the night, go stare into the void. <laughs> these are these are the things that we need to give ourselves permission to do. Yeah, I agree. And often um, women will resist that because it's not productive. And I often just counter with, hey, like if you want to lay on the floor and stare at the ceiling for 45 minutes, that's productive because you're resting and you're allowing your brain to unplug from all the things that have been plugged into it for hours and hours and days and years. Yes. One of the, in fact, I was just having this conversation with my husband the other day that I can push myself for, you know, days and days. I, um, I have a disability that's getting a little bit worse as I hit perimenopause because hormones are affecting it. And I told him I can push myself for days and days, but I'm going to wind up in bed for two days if I don't pace myself. And I have been a victim of the, but I'm not being productive because I'm homeschooling. I have a business. I have a house that I need to keep up on, you know, all of those things. And so recognizing that I can do this, I can push and I can be productive, but it's going to explode. And my body is literally going to say no more. And I'm going to put myself in bed for two days made me realize that I have to have those times where I just doom scroll. You know, I just lay and stare at the ceiling for 45 minutes because my body has to have that rest. Yes. Amazing. Yes. And everyone listening, make sure that you rest as well. Um, you mentioned that you have a course for couples who have hit the roommate stage. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think I, you know, I myself, I talk about all of these things and, you know, people are like, oh my God, your sex life must be so great. Your marriage must be so great. No, like we're human too. 
you know, like we're two people, we both have ADHD trying. I grew up as an only child, you know, I'm still, there are still days where I'm like, why do I have to live in a house with people? I just want to <laughs> live by myself, you know? And so I, we've also hit the roommate stage at times. And when you've been married for 20 years, it's kind of inevitable. And people will hit that roommate stage and they think like, the marriage is doomed. The relationship is doomed. Like we're just roommates. There's no passion. Okay. That's not how that works. Like everything has seasons. You just have to recognize that it's a season. You have gotten through seasons before you will get through seasons again. And yes, absolutely. We can, once we recognize that we have hit a like roommate phase season and we recognize that we can actively work to get ourselves out of it, but there, it's not a reason to panic and think that everything is doomed. And so I really thought about, all right, when you're in the roommate stage, what do you need to do to get out of that? How do you rebuild from that place? And so I created a four-week course that is self-paced and it really breaks down sort of rebuilding your sex life from the ground up. It takes you back to the basics of what, you know, we talk about what is intimacy, how do we experience intimacy together, um, writing that script for your marriage about the things that you enjoy both in and out of the bedroom, um, rediscovering, because especially when we hit midlife, our sexual preferences have changed. I don't like the same things in bed that I did 20 years ago when we first got married that, you know, like it just, there are things that I did 20 years ago that I don't want any part of now at all. And part, I think sometimes we get to the roommate stage because we think we're still married to that person from 20 years ago and they've changed and evolved. And we haven't recognized that in each other. Or we didn't recognize that we ourselves have changed and evolved. We thought that we were still the girl, the 23-year-old girl that liked that thing in the bedroom, except 43-year-old me says, oh, no. And that has not yet hit our consciousness, right? And so the Find Your Fire course is really walking you through all of those things, you know, um, what do, what is it that I used to like that I don't actually like anymore? Okay. If I'm not the person that likes this thing, who, who am I? What do I like? And discovering those things together. Awesome. Okay. So, and, um, is there a link specifically where I can send people for that if they're interested? It will be available on the christiansexpert.com. Okay, awesome. And then that said, for those who are listening and are interested in learning more about this specific course, as you said, or your work in other ways, or if they just want to connect with you on the socials and say hi, you mentioned the christiansexpert.com. Where else can they find you? Um, I so everything is you can find on the christiansexpert.com. I am on most socials as the Christian Sexpert. Um, I'm also I also have a Patreon where, as I say, I teach all the spicy things that I can't teach on like TikTok or Insta. Um, so if you want to know how to give a better blowjob or you want to learn about the different vibrator options that are out there and how do I choose the right one, join my Patreon. Um, you know, that's where it's, as I said, it's all nudity free. Um, and I'm not like preaching to anybody. I'm not, you know, here's the 12 steps to knowing Jesus. That's not what my Patreon is for. My Patreon is specifically for blowjobs and vibrators and 
all of that stuff. Um, and it's $5 a month. You get access to two brand new videos every single week and the whole library of videos that I've already posted. Amazing. That sounds awesome. Okay. I will include all of these links in the show notes for anybody who is listening and who is interested. Angela, any final words of wisdom that you want to share or the one thing that people should take away from our conversation today? I think the, the biggest thing is really having a conversation with your partner and defining the role of sex and intimacy in your marriage. Um, because a lot of these things that I talk about are kind of things that maybe people agree with, but they didn't realize like consciously, yes, this is, yes, this makes so much sense. And having that conversation and making sure that you guys are on the same page, because maybe your husband or partner has different expectations for the role of sex in your relationship and defining what you both believe about the role of sex and intimacy in your relationship. And, um, having clear expectations is so important. Okay. I love it. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing your story and your wisdom all about sex. Thank you for having me. And that's it for this episode of the Midlife Improvement Project. Thank you so much to my guest today, Angela Griffith, for sharing her story and her sexpertise that I know is going to be so helpful for so many of you. If you get the feeling that I might be your coach, especially as we approach a brand new year, and you are interested in learning more about me and my work, and perhaps how we could work together, especially as you navigate the challenges and adventures of midlife, and you want to talk to me about how that would work and what's involved, why not sign up for a complimentary chat with me at drpeggymalone.com forward slash coach. We can have a conversation about your goals for 2024 and what you want to accomplish and how I can help you. Also, I'd love it if you would come and say hi on Instagram. You can find me there at Dr. Peggy Malone. And that is where you'll find me discussing my life as a 50 year old who likes to snowboard, back handspring, and also to encourage women like you to find what is fun and adventurous for you in midlife. As usual, you'll find all of the resources and links that were mentioned during today's show in the show notes at drpeggymalone.com forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed today's show and you don't want to ever miss an episode, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you usually listen. Until next time, my friends, stay focused and get after it.